Uh, this recording takes place on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Uh, we acknowledge and embrace the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples of Australia, the Maori peoples of Aotearoa New Zealand, and the Indigenous people, peoples of the lands and countries where our members and listeners are today. I wish to pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging, as the traditional owners and custodians on the lands on which we live, gather and work. I want to acknowledge the role they have played and continue to play in nurturing and protecting of the lands, seas and skies. Welcome everyone. This instalment of Advocacy and Conversation is being recorded at the College's annual International Conference in Melbourne. We're excited to have you join us to discuss Framing the Framework. At the risk of a pun, to help frame today's conversation, although paramedics have been delivering high quality healthcare in a range of settings for decades, registration marked an important milestone for the profession created a real opportunity for paramedics to be in the driver's seat of their future, which is why the college is working to establish a complete career framework for paramedicine that incorporates clinical practice, education, research, and leadership and management. We began work on the career framework almost two years ago, deliberately choosing to tackle the clinical practice framework aspect first. And over the course of that time, we've captured input and feedback from members and non-members, stakeholders, and the wider health sector. And we recently engaged a special interest group comprising paramedics from across Australasia to closely review the consultation data and make further recommendations. So what is a complete career framework? Put simply, it's a structure to support the profession's development while also clarifying career opportunities and requirements. A framework for paramedicine is important to individual paramedics, the profession at large and the wider health sector, as it will help explain and outline paramedic capabilities, levels of education and experience for Australasian paramedics. With me today to talk about the importance and impact of the framework is Alicia McFarlane and Dr Brendan Shannon. Our first guest is Alicia. She's an experienced intensive, intensive care paramedic, lecturer in paramedicine at Charles Sturt University and the newly appointed Member Engagement Manager with the College. Alicia is a staunch advocate for advancement of the profession, having chaired the college's clinical standards committee, co-chaired the education committee, and is current member of the Women in Paramedicine Working Group. Alicia is completing her PhD, focused on understanding the professional culture of paramedicine and how it affects the experience of female paramedics. She's passionate about promoting and driving cultural change in paramedicine and supports the development of meaningful strategies that advocate for the profession in the wider healthcare community. Welcome, Alicia. Thanks. Our second guest today is Dr. Brendan Shannon. In addition to being a paramedic, Brendan is head of the postgraduate programs at the Department of Paramedicine at Monash University. He's a member of the Community Paramedicine Working Group at the college, and his PhD explored the experiences of health services when implementing alternative care pathways and community paramedicine programs. Brendan's research interests include health service practices, care pathways, and community paramedicine. Welcome, Brendan. I mean, do you two have any spare time left? After that? I feel highly underqualified. We nap occasionally. Yeah. I'm sure. Yes, yeah. you know, and you've got family and other lives on top of all that. So, you know, that, it's amazing the experience that you're going to bring today's discussion. So, really looking forward. We've got a couple of starter questions to get you going, um, and then from there we go wherever we like. Sure. Um, so, start us off, Alicia, from your perspective. What impact would a career framework have on individual paramedics? And will the framework impact the way education is developed and delivered? 
Yeah, I mean, great question. Thanks for having me along, John. Um, I guess when I think about frameworks, I think about what where we're going as a profession and, and I suppose more than um, and what other people view us as a profession and also how we view ourselves. So I think individually a framework can mean lots of things. So individually the framework can um, obviously address things like where do we want our um, career pathways to go? What do we want those to look like? Um, what are our own expectations of ourselves and our profession um, inside the workplace and inside our organisation? And then I suppose um, looking at it externally is if we have a framework, are we then more identifiable as far as what we can do as a profession to other allied health professions? Because at the moment, I'd, I'm not so sure we are. I think there's um, varying knowledge about what we're able to achieve, which is probably leans into some of Brendan's work, which is, you know, um, looking into those alternate type pathways for, for patient care and and where we're taking our patients, do they need to go to the ED? Do we have the scope of practice to support that? Um, does our profession support that? So I think the framework helps us with inside our own profession and as individuals, but I also think it helps us um, be more identifiable and usable within the, the broader healthcare system. So that's from that perspective. And your second question was about education. I suppose um, having recently been involved, particularly in the Work Integrated Learning pro Program and in the Work Integrated Learning space, I think particularly in regards to education, it opens that up as well. So it opens up opportunities for um, education and placement outside of your standard back of the ambulance, which is absolutely beneficial, it's great, but um, our subject matter experts aren't always sitting in the back of the ambulance. Sometimes they're sitting on the maternity wards, sometimes they're in theatres, sometimes they're out in GP practices and urgent care centres. So I think a framework is, is bigger than maybe what we think it is, what we imagined it could be. I think we're at the very sort of precipice and the start of what it looks like for us. So, yeah, in a nutshell, that's probably a nutshell. So, you know, you and I, we've connected for a while, you know, almost a decade that we've known each other and just thinking back to when you started out as a paramedic, and yep. I know you've gone from paramedic to intensive care paramedic mm -hmm. to an educator, and then you've left that jurisdictional ambulance service yep. and then gone into university you know educator yep. um, and now researcher so a lot of the pillars that we talk about with the framework you're already playing in across multiple yeah. ones but if you went back to near the start what would a framework what do you think it would inform you as that young paramedic starting out what would it say to you how would it how would it help you coming in yeah. as, as a newbie to the profession yeah, I think that's such a great question to think about what it was like when I started. I had my uh, 20th anniversary the other day, which is slightly terrifying. But um, when I started, I, I was trained vocationally so and then went through tertiary education. But when I started, the only option for career pathway really that I was aware of was in the back of the ambulance. And then whatever you made of yourself from there on was what you made of yourself. I actually wasn't aware of what there was. So I think a framework allows us... Um, to dream a little bigger, look a little bit broader and think, you know, being a registered paramedic doesn't mean you're just the person in the back of the ambulance. It can mean one and all of those things that you mentioned. You can be a paramedic that's a res pure researcher. You can be a paramedic that's an educator. You can be a combination of those things. You can still be a pure-based clinician and that's okay too. But I suppose knowing at the, knowing using a framework and knowing what that looks like from the beginning um, might also build into our retention strategies. Our, our turnover is, is so high. Um, you know, we don't retain people, people for much longer than six years, really. 
Um, and so knowing what my avenues that I can explore are nice and early allows me to think, what are my options moving forward? Excellent. Yeah. Brendan, getting you involved in the conversation, thinking about the clinical practice framework and the work we've been doing on that without the implementation of this, how do you foresee the paramedic profession evolving? You know, where does it go if we didn't have something like that in place? Well, and I think it, hopefully those that are listening get to look back at some of the conference proceedings, particularly the keynote speaker with Robin James this morning uh, and the experience of the UK, the advanced pillars of practice. Uh, and it goes back a lot to what you were saying before around retention strategies. What have I got forward to look to? Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, looking at this with my educator hat on, I look at, I'm lucky enough to work across both the undergraduate and postgraduate space. Um, for our undergraduate paramedics, gives them a clear pathway moving forward, right? Like if we don't implement it, what do they have? They've got, I'm going to work most likely for an ambulance service, I'll stay in that role. But what we've certainly seen in our postgraduate space is the thirst for knowledge is there. So the demographics of people coming to do postgraduate qualifications are getting younger. Um, They're self-funding, so they're not always funded through their employer to undertake it. So there's that real thirst. Without the framework there, I think as an educator, what am I, what am I selling? Am I selling snake oil? Because are they going to learn all this fantastic stuff and never be able to implement it? Who's actually signing off to say that they can use these titles? Um, you know, and I think someone needs to take this up, whether it's um, specialist registration, endorsed areas of practice. But I think a most common sense approach is, does the college self-determine this? Do they provide fellowships? This career framework provides that. But not only is it just about us as individual paramedics and a career pathway, it also means that someone's centrally signing off and saying, you have the requisite knowledge, you have the experience required, you can use this title. Because um, at the moment, anyone can do any random course and call themselves any type of specialist. And I think that has a, patient, a, a public safety element that needs to be seriously addressed. Um, but not only that, retention. I've got this pathway I can move forward to. I don't know how you found the transition from going 100% off road to then becoming an academic and and wrestling with that side of it. I love going to people's homes. I'll never give that away. But it's so much of a sense of your identity because there's no framework of what what, what am I? Am I actually a paramedic? Am I not? Um, Because when you compare that to the academic career framework, it's like, oh, I'll go from this, I'll go from this, I'll go from this. But it's not about... Yeah, it's not about badge collecting as you go. Uh, that might be some people how it is, but it's also like, actually, I'm going to increase my responsibilities because I'm going to be rewarded through this. Meanwhile, I'm also contributing to the bottom end of it, which is the patients that we're serving ultimately. So I think it makes it, when you work under a framework that's there, it's wonderful. Without it, I seriously worry about retention, but not only that, the motivation for people to, to move forward into this space. Mm. Do you think that... Without a framework, there's, you know, the profession is moving so quickly at the moment and just seems to be accelerating. Are there things that, you know, transformative shifts or changes or benefits that we're going to miss if we don't have some structure around it? And what what would we be missing on? I think we'd be missing out on autonomy. Um, We spoke about this morning in the keynote was around autonomous practice, right? When you feel like you're empowered and you're like, no, someone externally to who I'm employed by who sets my likely scope of practice has said I'm okay to do X, Y, Z skills. 
you know, it's up to the employee to allow them to do it and are they going to support them? Um, we look at frameworks like extended ex, extended scopes of practice. Like if you're a physiotherapist, you want to do dry needling, you'll go off and do a course, you'll do some forms, you'll take it to your employer and say, how hey, I can do this stuff. And then they're like, yep, I'm happy, we'll sign you off and you can do it individually as a paramedic. Um, it could look like, hey, I've done an ultrasound course and I've got this accreditation for an external body and I want to do some of my practice and I've bought my own equipment and I can do it. Mm. Um, I think that's a real novel um, thing for people to think about that, just because it's not in my clinical practice guidelines doesn't mean I can necessarily do it. Um, and we're so far behind in that space. So I think we'd be missing out on ability to drive evidence-based practice forward as an individual, rather than just doing whatever modules come out through our, our employer and then doing changes CPGs around that. Yeah. Do we think that, so you talk a little bit about some of the some of the new roles that are coming that are outside of the jurisdictional ambulance service and maybe Alicia start with you for this one is that because you spend that time in the jurisdictional ambulance service does the career framework help with that person who never goes into a jurisdictional ambulance service and 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 what does it what does it provide for them in that structure yeah and, and look I was just listening to what Brendan was saying and he really hit something really close to home probably for every paramedic is this is this, is this identity so much of Belonging to a jurisdictional ambulance service is, wraps up our professional identity. It's all part and parcel. It's all one thing, and it shouldn't be. Um, and that's the point, isn't it? It's if you want to, whether you want to work for a jurisdictional ambulance service, whether you want to go into research or academia or education, you, you are no less a paramedic than the person sitting working for that type of employer. So I think for someone that doesn't want to work in in the government-funded industry or wants to go and work in an, hopefully an urgent care centre or something else more broadly, I think the framework allows us to value those roles more. I think at the moment something, um, you know, it really hit a chord with me because I, I still wrestle with it. I still wrestle with my identity as, well, now I'm, I'm, I'm not clinically active anymore in that particular space because I couldn't, there's, there's not enough time in the day. Um, but I still... Do, am I am I lesser for it? Um, am I still truly a paramedic, whatever that means? So I don't think as a profession we've really learned to understand what that means for us and maybe value all those different roles because as soon as someone says, oh, you're paramedic, where do you work? Is the, first, is the very next thing that comes out of their mouth. And if it's not a jurisdictional ambulance service, you're down a notch. And again, the only other thing I also reflect on is it was my second day as an academic and I stood in front of the class and I'd been in, you know, a fair while and I stood in front of a, a hundred and something students, first time teaching this particular student and I said, tell me what you want this session out of this particular class, you know. And one of them said, can you get real paramedics to come and teach us? <laughs> and I said, I'd, I had my, I'd had my uniform on the day before for a start and I thought, wow. And that was an immediate disconnect, this immediate devaluing of what it is to be a paramedic. And so I feel really passionate about the clinical framework because probably a bit like Brendan, I, I'd still tussle with it myself, my own worth and value. And I think there's loads of paramedics out there who maybe stay, not stay too long, but sit on road, maybe not for all the right reasons because they don't know what else there is and they don't feel a sense of worth or value in doing something else. Just to follow on on that, if I could, uh, if registration had not existed, it only came in in 2018, there is no way I would have I would have transitioned to academia. I just would not have done it. My identity was too closely associated with the job and I was only a paramedic at that point if I worked for the jurisdictional ambulance service. Um, so I just think about myself. I don't think I've achieved a lot, 
that collectively, if that was everyone was thinking the same way, imagine the change, the change agents that aren't going to come through the system to move into other areas that they need to facilitate improvements in health, which I think is really scary, actually. So registration to an extent is because you're a registered paramedic, no matter where you're working, that, that now is helping, I guess, you know, both of you feel like you are a paramedic, even if you're in a different yeah. sort of context, practice context. You'd say in hushed tones, right? Yeah. So if you, if you weren't at work or before we were registered, you didn't really necessarily refer to yourself as a paramedic mm. um, because we weren't, it's just not what it was. So registration now has allowed us to feel that value in what we do and, and a sense of pride too, I suppose, that we've worked really hard and studied really hard and we've improved so much and that we deserve this independent recognition as a, as a profession, which I don't think before we necessarily had. We were essentially a vocation valued at the same level as, there's nothing wrong with vocations, but that's not what we were doing. We weren't technicians anymore, we'd move on from that. So yeah, it's very powerful. Registration has been a very powerful move for us. Super powerful. And you add that a, a specialist framework on top of that. Like uh, to use an example, like I mean, I'll randomly just, uh, uh, at this stage volunteer or do like some private stuff like, like have my um, professional indemnity insurance I feel like I feel like a big boy do you know what I mean like yeah. oh, oh actually this is legit and I can do all this kind of stuff I'm not I'm not following an ambulance guideline I'm following like a, the primary clinical care manual to provide some care to, at an event that I'm doing like for people that I care about like, I don't know everyone's probably had tradies coming to their home that they know and they've been able to help at home and I'm like, oh, I can do this now and give back to my friends and family. Yeah. Actually, yeah, I can check out your ear and have a look and think about these kind of things. I'll fix this wound. I don't have to be working within an employer to be able to do that. And I think a specialist framework would just give some legitimacy to the extra training and experience that our specialist paramedics provide. Yeah, so what I'm hearing as you're talking is there's an, an elevation of the profession through the framework and how... I guess people from day one through to 30 years can then see themselves and, and, and how they've progressed. But I, I guess maybe looking externally, do we, do we see the framework elevating paramedicine within health, you know, within other areas? And how would that, how would that come about? Yeah, I mean, Brendan's probably better placed to answer this more holistically, but I think it's a, it's a really big part of it. You know, this, this podcast is about advocacy and I think interesting in so many areas we sit we're reliant on allied health professionals to advocate for us on our behalf and yet most paramedics out there probably listen to this podcast or that work in our profession will, will openly with their hand on their heart say most allied health professionals probably don't know a great deal about what we do or they certainly have a, a large variance uh, about variable knowledge about what we do so I think having the framework allows us to point them to something and say, this is who we are, this is what we do, and this is why we want XYZ, um, rather than relying on any one individual or an organisation to advocate for us through their own personal knowledge. It sort of removes that in a way. And I think that's, that can only be a good thing because if, if that one person that's been advocated advocating for us in a particular place goes away, falls over, moves on, moves on that happens all the time in health, then we lose that advocacy, that avenue. And framework takes away that, that it, it starts to make it a bigger conversation. And, and that's super important. Yeah. Yeah, I think it arcs back as well. Like, I mean, we're going to talk to our medicine colleagues. They understand what a fellowship is and, and what a framework mm -hmm. is. Um, if we don't have that, 
are we seeing in the same light? I think it's an important professional growth that needs to occur. And I just keep harking back to what comes down for me, patient public safety, people using titles, who's actually saying that they should use these titles. Um, and I think it is the next big thing in registration and there should be an appetite for us to really, someone needs to do it, I hope it's the college. Um, it'll require funding and manpower, people power I should say, to get this up and running. But uh, it's definitely, you know, it's a juice worth the squeeze, it absolutely is. And we've got to do it for ourselves, right? I think I think in our profession, sometimes maybe from, from you know, where we've come from, our base roots are that we sort of wait for other people to some degree to do it for us. And I think that's a big part of what we do at ACP. Like the professional body is out there trying to collectively drive the profession forward, but it's, but it's driven by paramedics. So unless we all jump on board and want to paddle the boat, and, you know, use whatever analogy you want there but if we're not doing it for ourselves no one's going to do it for us so I just think we're in this really fascinating space where there seems to be at times a little bit of hesitation or scepticism around do we need a framework or what does that mean but no one's out there building a framework for us so we have to build it for ourselves if we want to advance ourselves we've reached a point now where the advocacy to get us to this point is done, has been done partly by us and partly by other parts in health but now it's us. So um, I, I know Brendan's probably equally passionate about it, but jump on board. Let's keep going. You know, we've been waiting so long to get to this point. It's, yeah. And there's someone not involved in, this, in the framework development to look at as an external observer. It's a really common sense. I'd say it's good to go. You know what I mean? Like I can see it's clearly had influence from the UK and other areas mm. with a, you know, a little bit of an Australian flavour to it. Uh, it's common sense and it's good. It's not new. No, that's right. It's we don't have to reinvent the wheel. Right. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah, as we started work on it, the first thing we did was look elsewhere. Let's not, why do we start from mm. ground zero? We mm. may as well start halfway or three quarters of the way to the goal. So we spent time looking at what was happening in the UK, but also, uh, you know, in terms of paramedicine, but, but for other health professions as mm. well. So we looked at nursing, we looked at medicine, Australia, Orthiara, and Canada and you know, all over the place to start to get some ideas about what the framework looks like and how it works. And I think one of the things I like about it is that all the paramedics I talk to, and you, and you two are just two of them, but yeah. there's, this, there's this movement through as well. There's not this linear thing. There is actually, I'm, I'm a paramedic and I'm in that clinical space, but now I'm over in an educator space yeah. and now I'm in a bit of a research space. And I know not everyone wants to do research and not everyone wants to to be an educator, but there is a flow through, and I think paramedics naturally have a bit of a flow through as well, because the, the traditional structure is, you know, you become a paramedic and then maybe you, you might go to an ICP or you get a station officer or a duty manager, or, and then, you know, there's and then what? That's yeah, the point, that's the point, and then what? What's the point? And if you didn't, if you weren't interested in, a, in an operational management position or maybe clinical elevation, what else was there? Or what else did you value? That's the point. And it's just, yeah, it's it's really what, you talk about this flow, but I think what's fascinating is watching and talking to students now, even their undergraduate degree, they already have plans yeah. for I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this. They're already thinking about it. Oh, that wasn't even, that was not anywhere in my brain Become when I started. I'll just be a paramedic, <laughs> thanks very much. That's Isn't that the end of the conversation? That's not the end of their conversation. And us, dare I say, older generation, because now I am in the next, the other generation, 
needs to stop trying to push them back into that basket because that basket's gone. The basket they now want is 28 other baskets about, and we need to get on board with that because that is about retention. So if we only offer them the old one basket, we'll lose them. They're gone, they're out. They're gone. They're not interested because they want variety, diversity, flexibility. You know, they want change. They want change. Whereas when I started, it was no change, please. Like just like leave things the same. So I think, and we might have already mentioned it. So I apologise if I'm repeating, but that framework will provide other private practice, other health services. Mm-hmm. Go, oh yeah, actually, I want one of those. Yeah, they look like I could use, use them. them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it's a national thing then as well. I think that's really important. It's not a state or service specific framework. And it just takes one or two. Yeah. It'll just be this. Little, there'll be a trickle and then and the, the gates, gates will open yeah. and off we'll go. And I see that happening so fast, so fast in the future to the point where I'm sure Brendan's the same. I'm teaching students now, they're coming in first and second year going, get ready. Like by the time you're out, jurisdictional ambulance services is one pathway for you on the other side. Because I, I honestly think it's that soon. So. Great. Thank you, Alicia. Thank you, Brendan. That brings today's conversation to a close. We hope uh, this encourages you to view career frameworks a little differently. Later this month, we'll be recording part two of this discussion, uh, which will have an international focus on paramedic frameworks from overseas. So keep an eye out for that one. Please visit our website, read our discussion papers on this topic and sign up for our newsletter for updates from the college. I hope today's conversation continues in the wider health community as we aim to reach as many people as we can, one conversation at a time. Thank you.